White Sox Weekly, your two-hour all-access pass to everything White Sox. And it's pretty deep out and left, and this ball is gone. How about that? How about that timing? (laughs) This presentation of the ESPN 1000 Chicago White Sox Network is brought to you by Wintrust Bank and Mazda of Orland Park. And now, here are your hosts, Fred Huebner and Jeff Meller. Welcome into White Sox Weekly here on ESPN 1000, the White Sox Network. I am Jeff Meller along with Fred Kubner, and we have ourselves still, Fred, the best team in baseball on the South Side as the White Sox move to 23 and 14 after a split of the doubleheader yesterday, the two seven inning games at home against the Royals, which did snap the White Sox six game win streak, unfortunately after their first game, but the White Sox and Michael Kopech were able to jump right back on that horse and start a new one, hopefully, with a win in the nightcap. But I think the biggest story coming out of yesterday, of course, was the collision early in the game. Let's let folks hear it in case they missed it. Swing and a lazy pop-up on the infield. Dozier actually didn't run it first. Oh, no, a bad collision. As Grandal makes a catch in foul territory, Dozier and Abreu... Absolutely, blindly collided. Oh, man, it looked like head-to-head. You could hear it all the way up here in the booth. It just takes your breath away. Oh, my goodness. So it was clearly nasty, but we have encouraging news. Sounded like yesterday after the first game, Jose Abreu wanted to get back into the lineup for the second game. Yep. And we do not have a lineup just yet. We are awaiting word as to whether or not he'll be in the lineup today. But there is optimism in the White Sox clubhouse that he will be back very soon if he is not today. And actually, Tony La Russa met the media a short time ago and talked about Jose Abreu possibly being available today. Based on last night till today, he's, he's made a remarkable comeback as far as the appearance. He's moving around. He's actually taking some swings. He's insisting that he's good to play. I think it'll be a medical determination. I think he's, he gets checked at uh, 4.30. And if they give him uh, okay, he plays. And if they think he should wait another day, then he doesn't. So I, you know, they got certain protocols they look at. But first one last night, the concussion, concussion thing was okay. So it's now it's just a collision and getting back out there 24 hours later. You sound like at least from this point now and again what you said yesterday, that this certainly doesn't look like it could be more than a couple days or two, the way he's responding so far. I think there's a chance he plays tonight. And if he doesn't, there'll be a very impatient first baseman playing tomorrow. (laughs) So there you go. Sounds very encouraging right now that Jose Abreu will likely be back in the White Sox lineup by tomorrow, if not today. We should know more before White Sox Weekly wraps up, as you heard from Tony there, that he's going to be examined at 4.30. And so about an hour from now, they'll go ahead and give him the examination and determine whether or not he can come back. And I would imagine if all things look good, he'll probably be in today's lineup. And that is probably the only real reason right now why we don't have a White Sox lineup in for today's game. Sure. We almost always do. Every time we do White Sox Weekly, we almost always have the lineup beforehand. Uh, Abreu had a six-game hitting streak, uh, if I'm not mistaken. He had a a streak going, so he's been playing well. He's been hitting the ball. He's just been... It's amazing because I've looked at some people and I said, really, there were some White Sox fans that questioned the signing uh, to a three-year deal of Abreu. 
And it's like, how could you question it? This guy is everything <laughs> this team, you know, does. He is the guy. Um, he's the leader. He's yeah, the leader. Without man. a doubt, he's the leader. I mean, you have you have the um, inspirational guy and the guy that gets everybody pumped up in Tim Anderson. But man, oh man, Abreu is just unbelievable. He's got his average up to two forty. He was hitting really poorly in the low one hundreds early. Uh, he's getting a swing back. Hopefully he can get back out there and uh, you know leads the team in homers, leads the team in runs batted in, and um, just having a really really nice season. And it could have been worse. We're fortunate it wasn't worse because if the if the brim of the brim of the helmet yes. hit him like straight on in the head, it could have cut him. It could have done a lot of things. Sure, Hunter yeah. Dozier really could have caused some major damage there. It was a very odd play the way it unfolded. Part of the reason Hunter Dozier was kind of sprinting full-on into Jose Abreu was because he was avoiding Yasmani Grandal. Yep. And so he didn't really have the foresight to look up and, and identify that Abreu was right. going to be right in front of him because he was worried about avoiding Grandal yeah. on the play. And you know what's So we will be talking with Andrew Vaughn later in the show who did play first base in the, in the second game. He played it game. well. He, he, he did. He played yeah. it very well. But here, this, this, is, this is... It dawned on me... So Grandal moves to first base in that game uh, once Jose Abreu is removed. And because Grandal's played plenty of first base throughout his career, that was natural, no big deal. But it's funny because it it didn't even dawn on me. I'm thinking to myself, you know, I've already, because of the plays that Andrew Vaughn has made in left field, I've almost like, okay, he's he's fine in left. It would have been natural if, if Andrew Vaughn was struggling defensively to say, or I think my mind would have leapt immediately to the spot of, well, you know what? Of course, you never want to lose your MVP. But good news, you know, Andrew Vaughn is so familiar with first base. Maybe he'll, you know, feel more comfortable and get into a rhythm. But no, no, no. He's playing a very solid left field for yep. you right, right now. And now it seems like, too, after a couple home runs this week, the bat's coming around. He's getting comfortable at the plate. That's a big boost as well. We will talk with Andrew Vaughn later yeah. in the show around five o'clock today. So a lot, of, like it just it was funny to me as I was thinking about it. I it didn't even dawn on me that Andrew Vaughn would be the obvious choice to move into first base because I've already in my head put him in as left fielder. Right, he's he's gone. He's taken that position. Here's a guy that was going to be the DH. Then there's injuries. He has to play left field. Hadn't played left field before, and then. You've got your main Mercedes, who was fortunate enough to be the DH, and we'll talk more about him a little bit later on, too. And um, so Andrew Vaughn has just done what he's needed to do. He's got a, a little nice little run here. I think he's driven and runs in four straight games. So, um, yeah, everybody's coming through when they need to. Heck, a week when Billy Hamilton gets a four-hit game. Hey, there. There have been weeks where Billy Hamilton didn't get four hits. He had there's, four hits in one Fred, game. There's been lots of weeks. <laughs> yes, there where have. Billy Hamilton hasn't gotten four hits. In yes, there have. And you know the funny thing between him and Larry Garcia, um, a week or so ago, their White Sox fans were upset because they had not done the job. And since then, they've come in, they've gotten hits, they've done the job. <clears throat> Great catch by Larry Garcia yesterday, mm-hmm. coming in on a fly ball in center field, coming straight in on it, and diving straight towards home plate. Uh, towards the infield to make a nice diving catch. So, um, you know, everyone's coming through, and because of that, you got a 23-14 and 14 team, best record in the game. This is excellent because, as we talked about last week during White Sox Weekly, we were looking ahead at the schedule. The White Sox had won when we were, at this time last week, they had beaten the Royals on the Friday game, but they had yet to really go on the run this week that I think a lot of Sox fans, 
have been waiting for. And actually, that's one of the questions I want to ask Sox fans out there. 312-332-3776. When's the last time you remember being this excited about the White Sox? Now, you know, like, I understand. It's a roller coaster of a season. That's what baseball yep. is. Long there are going year. to be ups and downs throughout. But this is clearly one of the exciting moments that we're at. And you know what? As I mentioned that, is so when you always compare something, Comparison to a roller coaster ride. Yeah. Is it the up that's the bad part? Or is it the down that's the bad part, Fred? Because it's, it's always the down, I think. See, but here's I, the counterpoint aside the anticipation of climbing on the roller coaster yeah. is what fills you with anxiety. It's the thrill of going down that's actually the fun part of the roller coaster. It's supposed to be. Right? Yeah. Well, okay. I'm not a big roller coaster guy, so when I get to the top, my stomach feels like it's coming sure. out of me. I think most people oh are like Oh, my that. lord. But, but like the, it's, the, it's the anxiety that you're filled with, the climb. That's, there's, there's really nothing fun about going up, I think, on a roller coaster. All the good stuff is on the down. So... Anyway, I'm completely sidetracking. But this. it is but, a roller coaster. But this ride, is right now. Ups and downs. Absolutely. Either way, this is the fun part. We're on. We're on the. You know, when you're zipping down at fast speeds right now, the White Sox are rolling along, and it has been awesome this past week to sweep the Twins. Yep. And on the heels of sweeping the Royals in the previous series, it is a good time to be a White Sox fan. So let us know when's the last time you remember being this excited about the White Sox. I mean, you know, I, I'd imagine 2008's the blackout game. Was an exciting moment. Oh my moment. lord! Yeah, now, but I don't want to like. I, yeah. I'm, I'm asking folks out there: Is that right. really the last time you remember being this excited? Was there a moment last year? Sure, it, it might have been a, a point last year when you said to yourself, when the White Sox were maybe it was Giolito's no hitter that seemed to encapsulate a moment when the team was on the ascent. Or it could have been the first month with Luis Robert. Absolutely. And everybody was super excited, and then Luis Roberts struggled in that second month. So go ahead and give us a call, 312-332-3776, and share with us the last time you remember being as excited as you are about the White Sox right now. I mentioned Giolito. Uh, another performance that leaves you wanting right now. He really is, when you look at the pitching, the only spot right now that you're wondering, okay, is this going to get right? And I'm not going to lie. I was concerned coming into the season because – Giolito had made such sweet music with James McCann last year. Yep. Um, I, and I knew McCann was not going to be somebody that you could afford to bring back when you had Grandal with the uh, biggest contract in White Sox history already on the roster. I knew it wasn't going to make sense. But I do wonder if when Giolito is actually going to get right. That's the one concern as a Sox fan that I'm looking at and saying, boy, uh, it's, it's a good thing the team is playing so well. Because he right now is not pitching as well as he has the last couple of years. The one strange thing about watching him pitch is he looks fidgety on the mound. Now, I don't remember him being that way before, mm-hmm. but because he's struggling, you're looking for some problems. What's going on? Why is he this? Why is he that? And there's times he gets a little fidgety. He just seems to, to move around a lot more. And then you see a guy like Michael Kopech, who just calmly goes to the mound yesterday, gives up a home run. Eh, it's okay. Not a problem. Doesn't get concerned. Doesn't get worried. And uh, Giolito doesn't seem to have that. He's he's um, in his head a little bit. And I think he needs one of those dominating outings to get him maybe out of his head and get his head right. Um, again, this is me just trying to figure it out because he's not the guy that we saw last year. Yesterday, you know, six innings, five run- just five hits, three walks, gives up five runs, a couple of home runs. Um, 98 pitches in the in the five or in the six innings. So he gave us gave the White Sox innings, but uh, just not. You know, hey. the home run ball has been killing him. And you want to talk about you know it is funny because 
we're hypercritical right now. And yeah. I will admit that this comes this this yesterday's performance comes on the heels of uh, a game when you look at the box score. Uh, the previous Sunday, the last time he pitched prior to yesterday, and he was okay. Yeah. He gave you five innings, one on run, uh, only had two strikeouts, did get the win in a game where the White Sox bashed the Royals yet again. And so he won last Sunday, but I'll admit I wasn't overly convinced that he really looked like the Giolito of old. Right. And again, that comes on the heels of you know three performances prior to that where he certainly hasn't been the ace that we've come to expect. So he's the one player I'm looking at right now on the White Sox roster waiting for him to turn it around. But again, you can look at it positively and say, you know what? When Lucas Giolito has an ERA near five and you still have the best record in baseball, <laughs> yep. you can feel pretty confident right now that this team is in a very good position going forward. He's given up eight homers, counting the two yesterday. Actually, not counting the two yesterday. The stats I'm looking at were through Friday. So, yeah, that's true. Uh, so, um He's given up eight home runs so far this season. The next guy on the team is given up four, um, which is probably not good that one of them is Hendricks. Mm-hmm. You usually don't want your closer giving up home runs. But he's given up four, and so is Keuchel, giving up four home runs. But Giolito's given up double that amount, and that's what's kill- that's what got him yesterday. And I understand the wind was blowing out. But you know what? It's nice if the wind is blowing out that you get to hit the ball up in the air once in a while too, isn't it? Uh, yes. Why is it the other team only hits home runs when the wind's blowing out? So plenty to talk about here. We've got a couple hours to do it before White Sox pregame gets going at 5.30. Jonathan Hood will have you covered there. And, of course, uh, Connor McKnight will be on the play-by-play since Len Casper has television duties tonight. So Connor and DJ will have the call at 6.10 tonight, White Sox and Royals. Mike Miner up against... Fill in the blank for me here. My my mind just went to... Carlos Rodon. Thank you. Thank you. He Best got, pitcher he got, on the he team. got pushed. Yes, I knew yeah, that. He did get pushed. He, but, uh, uh, 0.580 ERA, 5-0 and record. That always scares you, too, because it, the law of average says somewhere along the line you're going to lose a game, just like the Royals. Somewhere along the line, they were oh. going to get a win. He, you know what? He's dominating. I'm not concerned about that. But again, plenty to talk about. If you want to be a part of the conversation, 312-332-3776. We've also got a, another edition of Connor Asks. He'll ask us a question. We'll do that next. But secure your spot this season with a White Sox ticket package. The best way to get the best seats at the best prices. Plus, enjoy postseason priority, flexible playment plans, and more. For more information, visit WhiteSox.com. Or call 312-674-1000. All right, we've got a Connor Asks up next. We've got Mike Huff, who's going to talk about the White Sox role and give you some information about White Sox Youth Camp and what you want to do with your children this summer. You want to teach, get them into the swing uh, of, of baseball, get more personalized training. That's what Mike Huff's going to tell us all about. We'll do that at 4 o'clock. But up next, another edition of Connor Asks, right here on ESPN 1000, the White Sox Network. Follow us on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on the ESPN 1000 White Sox Network. I'm Jeff Meller along with Fred Hubner, and we're here with you every Saturday hanging out two, two hours prior to White Sox pregame coverage, which starts at 530 today. We've got a 6-10 first pitch as Carlos Rodon squares off against Mike Miner. The White Sox go for a second straight win after splitting yesterday's doubleheader. They, of course, though, are on quite the roll, Freddie, having won seven of their last eight games. Yeah, seven of eight and also 17 of 23. Uh, this is the third time they're seeing Miner this year. He went uh, 85 pitches in four innings, 
the first time. Last week, they got him for five runs and five innings uh, last Sunday. So uh, let's see what happens this week. It's the, those left-handed pitchers, they have a thing of, of getting to them. So hopefully that continues today. And I mentioned the 7 of 8. That's been critical, too, because last Saturday, you and I were talking about it would be good to take advantage of the way the Twins were struggling at this point, right. and they came in on Tuesday, and the White Sox swept them, which was great to see. I know White Sox fans were very happy to go Always ahead to be and sweep those pesky twins who have been a thorn in the side for a long, long time. So those a uh, the former piranhas are no longer uh, something it looks like the White Sox need to be concerned about, especially not this year. I don't want to get them ahead of myself, but... They look like they're going to be down this year. Yeah, they do. And here was the thing. Here was the key. It was the first of 13 games. Last Friday was the first of 13 games against the Royals and the Twins. So far in the first eight, the White Sox have won seven of them. Mm -hmm. So they've done exactly what you would hope they would do. Now they have tonight, tomorrow, and then a three-game series in Minnesota. Wrapping up those 13 games. So, hey, you win. Heck, if you win three out of five, you know, that's great. That'd be a great stretch. Absolutely. Of course, I know that the it's going to be an emphasis on doing more damage. If you can get four sure, or five, definitely. that would be ideal, especially because after that they will go ahead and have a weekend series next weekend when they head to New York to take on the Yankees, who even though Giancarlo Stanton uh, is out today and was out yesterday because of a quad issue, Aaron Boone has said that uh, he's not expected to be out too long. So it seems like their lineup is finally getting right so that one's going to be a challenging series in New York next weekend. So it would be very beneficial to go ahead and continue the dominance you've had over the Royals and Twins over this last uh, Yeah, there's nothing like stretch. Chicago, New York, this point of the season at Yankee Stadium. be fun weekend series, a three-gamer. And remember, those games in the Saturday game next week is a noon start. Mm, so, yes, it is. Yeah, White Sox Weekly next week will be at 9.30. So make sure you roll out of bed early and get, get your two hours of White Sox done. Absolutely. It will be an early edition. And don't forget, if for some reason you miss it, you can always go to the ESPN Chicago app. Go ahead and download that now. Have it for you on your fingertips, available for you on your finger at your fingertips on your smartphone because uh, it's a, all of our great content is there for you. So go ahead and check it out. If you miss it, it'll be right there for you as soon as the show wraps up. And also, we have for you, as I mentioned, another edition of Connor Asks. All right, White Sox fans, time for another edition of Connor Asks. Use the handle at ESPN White Sox, the hashtag Connor Asks, and answer the question. Since we've been talking so much about new rules in baseball, I wanted to see if any of you had new rules that you'd put into the game. Not something that's already being talked about as being added, something new, a twist you've got. So, what new rule would you add to baseball to make it just a little bit different, a little bit more exciting, or just a little bit crazier? Use the hashtag ConnorAsks and hit us up at ESPN White Sox. So there you go. You can always participate via social media as well if you don't want to give us a call. Uh, hashtag ConnorAsks, and there you go. What's your best rule that you would like to see instituted in across baseball, Fred? Now, baseball is not considering this, yes, but it's and something. I think, I think that's what Connor's looking yeah. for because there's been lots of stuff that's been discussed. He's not necessarily looking for something that is potentially on, you know, that could arrive here in right. a, couple, a couple of years. He wants something that we may not have thought of. Well, this is something. It's actually been when thought of a little bit, talked about on uh, the Black and Abdallah show. Okay, but. The slaughter rule in baseball. Oh. Because I hate seeing position players pitch. Okay. I don't enjoy that. 
Okay, mm-hmm. I think it's kind of making a mockery of the game unless you've got a guy that's pitched before, not just you know throwing a your mean Mercedes out there. Um, <laughs> so if after se- after seven innings, if you're going to throw go to position players, game's over, game's over, and then people say, well, you can't with the stats. Well, you can now. We're having they have seven inning du- you know doubleheader games. So, but it's got to be after seven innings. You can't do it after five or six. But after seven, if you're not going to, you know, if you figure there's no way we can beat these guys, I go to go to go. I, I don't want to go to the bullpen anymore. Just cash it in. Interesting. You give up. Fred wants the slaughter rule. He doesn't need to see these uh, pitchers coming out to the mound and trying to break 80 on the gun. No. Doesn't need them throwing uh, a glorified batting practice out there. The one guy did from Cincinnati. I think it was Dean Bland, not, not Dean, but Blandino. Uh, Blandino from Cincinnati was throwing 92, mm-hmm. 89, 92. That's nice. All right. So uh, Steve is in Winnetka, and the, he gave us a call. He's inspired by Connor's question. And this may be something that I actually proposed to Carmen DeFelco a couple weeks back. We'll see if we're thinking along the same lines. Steve, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, my man? Hey, how you guys doing? Great show. Thank you. Thanks. Um, I just think that you should be able to slide past any base. As long as you're sliding, you can go past the base. I'm sick of seeing all the reviews to, like, ticky-tack stuff if guys are sliding past the base. It's just kind of cheap to me. So that's the rule that I would propose. All right, Steve. That is exactly... Thank you for the call. We appreciate it. That's exactly what I discussed with Carmen DeFalco a few weeks back when Chris Bryant, you'll recall, Fred, was he was called out on a play where it was very difficult to determine whether or not he actually came off the base. And there were many angles that looked like he was not. But there was one clear angle that seemed to show that he had, you know, for whatever it was, you know, a a tenth of a second come off the bag and the shortstop at the time maintained their glove on Chris Bryant, and he was called out on the attempted steal. And, I, Steve, that's exactly what I was proposing. I think runners, once they've actually, just like when you're running out first base, especially on steal attempts, right? if you go ahead and you actually, let's call it, if you're able to obtain possession of the bag without the fielder tagging you out first, I'm okay because I do enjoy the stolen base. And I do think there is a similar notion, what they're trying to encourage, what they're working on in the minor leagues, the expansion of the bags, making bigger bags right. in some minor league, minor league stadiums, this, minor league leagues this season. They're, they're hoping that what that will do is encouraging, encourage more teams to potentially run more. Because the stolen base is, in a lot of ways, a lost art. And because we've become so heavily ingrained with analytics that it's, look, if you can't steal a base 85% of the time, it's at not least, worth your yeah, while, right? Yeah, at least 85 But that's one of the most... It's one of the best aspects of baseball is watching a runner try and steal a base. Right. And so if you could encourage it and get more of that back in the game, I do think that would absolutely be a great rule to see. Can I ask you a question? Sure. Why is it that every single time the opposing pitcher throws to first base to hold a runner on base, the, the, the home fans always boo? It's part of the game. It's like, do they not understand that's Part of the game. They want. They want uh, snappy. They want the. It's like they throw the first boo. Come on, and it's part of the game. Right That's in. you're trying to do. You're trying to, and it's, it's a whole cat and mouse game. Sure. With that guy at first base, be it Tim Anderson or Billy Hamilton or Absolutely. something like that. If you're the pitcher now, maybe limiting the number of throws. Okay, I can understand that, but yeah, and that's that's been a rule that, that has, has been discussed. That has been discussed. There has been conversation. Although I think I saw like the 
uh, it was one, right? That was the proposal yeah. that was being talked about. That's that seems enough. like, you know, maybe too few, but yeah. um, it, it's a good point. The White Sox and Country Financial are teaming up to recognize those individuals who now more than ever have faced the challenge to keep students focused on learning. Do you know an educator who deserves recognition? Nominate them for the Country Financial Teacher Appreciation Spotlight by visiting whitesox.com slash teacher spotlight today. Fred, up next, we're going to talk with Mike Huff and ask about some White Sox summer camps that are going on. We'll do that next and ask Mike what he thought about uh, Michael Kopech's performance yesterday in the second game uh, over the Royals. We'll ask him what he thinks next on White Sox Weekly here on ESP 1000 White Sox Network. White Sox Weekly Saturdays on ESPN 1000. It is indeed Saturday, which means, of course, it is White Sox Weekly. I'm Jeff Meller along with Fred Hubner. We're talking about the best team in baseball on the south side, the White Sox, of course. And as we will continue to do all throughout the show up until 530. But let's take a, a brief time out. We are going to take a few minutes here to talk with Mike Huff, who, of course, is the White Sox director of youth baseball. We're going to ask him a few questions if you're looking for things to do with your kids over the summer. If you need somewhere to send them and get them outside and have some uh, baseball activities. Mike's going to tell us how to do that. But real quick before we do that, let's pause 10 seconds for our stations to identify themselves on the ESP 1000 White Sox Network. The home of the White Sox is also the home of Captain Jay Hood. Mornings 7 to 10. On ESPN 1000, WMVP Chicago. All right, let's bring in Mike Huff now, the director of youth baseball for the White Sox here on ESPN 1000. Mike, before we get into all the camps and the White Sox elite travel teams that you're going to tell us about, what are your thoughts about where the White Sox are at right now? Man, it has got to be fun watching them day in and day out, especially yesterday, bouncing back after the, the, the win streak gets snapped and then to watch Mike Kopech go out and deal and get a win in the nightcap. Yeah, it's been incredibly exciting. The places that we've been doing some sort of pre-Little League season training, everyone is abuzz with the White Sox. Um, watching uh, watching that collision took me back to my high school football days at New Trier and, and a shudder down the spine and made me realize again why I loved running out of bounds so much. And very excited that Jose is going to be back, uh, it sounds like, today or tomorrow. But you know, if you look at any other team in all the major leagues and you took their second best power hitter and by far their best outfielder, probably top three or four player on the team, there's no way that team would be in first place. And what these guys have done to rally around those two guys being out, like you said, with the collision down the line um, in the first game yesterday, the way, again, Kopech bounced back, it just seems like it, again, it takes me back to those early 90 teams that we had with the White Sox with, you know, the fiery Jack McDowell as our ace yes. and, you know, the Carlton Fist, the ornery Surly guy that it didn't matter if someone was not playing well or hurt. Another part of the team was coming together and rallying around to make sure we continue to win. And uh, it is quite a buzz and very fun from uh, from my seat working with a lot of these little leagues around the area to see how well the White Sox are doing. Okay, now hold on. It was Carlton Fisk... Uh... Was he surly and honorary with, with his teammates or just with the opposition? No, no, both. Again, <laughs> if you weren't running out of ball, he would get right in your face. If you weren't lifting after the game, if you had a day off, but you weren't in there lifting with him, he'd get right in your face. So he was one of those that really, again, led by example, which we see Jose Abreu do so well. 
and was able to kind of get in the face and back it up. And again, just like Jose, I'm sure does with all of the Latin players, if not the guys from the U.S. here, you now have a handful of pitchers with Lance Lynn and Lucas that are not afraid. Obviously, Liam Hendricks, we know how vocal he is. Yep. But to have people that are your leaders on the field that will take the arrows if they do something wrong, but then lead by example and are doing the extra work, that just brings everybody else around. And so when you lose one or two players to an injury, it's not even like you're missing a beat. And it's neat to see those part-time players, the Mike Huffs of the world, like the Danny (laughs) Mendick, the the Billy Hamiltons, have those occasional good games because that's all they're going to do. They're a part-time player for a reason. But those occasional good games have come at really opportune times to help the team come up with some victories that might have been a little bit questionable. You know, I was covering the the White Sox when Fisk was here, and you said if not lifting after the game, you know, he would get on people. I don't think anybody could have lifted as much as he did. He would catch a nine-inning <laughs> game or whatever it was. We'd be waiting by his locker, and he'd be lifting for a good 45 minutes after, the, after catching for yeah. nine innings. It was amazing what that guy did. Yes, it was. But again, it goes back to that work ethic. And yep. again, from the pitching staff, Jack McDowell was the same way. And then, you know, you see a guy like Alex Fernandez watching him. You see a guy like Wilson Alvarez, Jason Bray watching what Jack McDowell is doing. Of course, they're going to do it. You know, Bobby Thigpen doing extra lines, sure. working extra hard. Well, guess what? Roberto Hernandez all of a sudden is working a little bit harder. Scott Radinsky is working a little bit harder. Donnie Paul is working a little bit harder because they're seeing the leader in the bullpen do that extra work to make sure he's ready for those game situations. And it just, again, those three years that I was here was just so much fun, 91, 2, and 3. Yeah, and you don't uh, catch 24 years in the big leagues until the age of 45 without <laughs> yeah. getting in your lifts when yep. you need to because the, the the man it took on his body certainly, you know, it, 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 had its, it had its after effects after his playing days, but there's sure. no doubt he was able to play you know, as well as he was for as long as he was able to because of his ability to go out and uh, that drive that Mike was just talking about. Again, Michael Hoff joining us here on ESPN 1000, the White Sox Director of Youth Baseball. All right, Mike, we were talking last time we had you on about some of the summer camps, and we did get some encouraging news from the governor and the mayor about opening up a bit with more vaccinations taking place. But I do know that uh, demand for the White Sox summer camps is still there and they're selling out quickly. So give us a little bit of information for the folks out there who are looking for something to do this summer with their kids and get them involved in some baseball camps. Like what, what's the uh, best way to go about this and what's the latest regarding how many people are going to be able to be included in some of the camps now that we have you know more good, encouraging news? Well, I think you said it best, Jeff, that if the mayor and the governor keep opening things up, um, we are at a limit that we were last year, that we were allowed to sort of that stage three, four that Illinois was in, which was 32 kids. But if the news continues to be good, we have set up our summer camps this year that people can get on a waiting list. And so our hope is as we continue to get good news, those 32 kids becomes 40 kids becomes 48 kids, you know, and, and if that happens, all those people on the waiting list, their kids will definitely get in. So we don't want people, if they go to a Naperville and it says sold out, not to put their name on a waiting list because there's still the chance. And again, we're, you know, North shore, like a Winnetka, but Northwest, like an Elgin Southwest, like a plain field and a dire crown point northwest indiana so when you go to that white com slash play 
link, you're going to be able to find that big icon that says summer camps sponsored by Wintrust. And guess what? You're going to see a very interactive map that map that you can find camps near your location, or that might be a, a community or two away, but it's not you know, late June, it's early August, and you've got too much stuff going on late June, but early August, you're looking for something to do with your kids. Mike, when you guys organize these camps, what is it? I mean, I'm sure you guys probably all get together and you just say, for this great, this age level, we're going to do this, this age level, maybe do this. Is there one or two specific things that all groups you need to make sure they do and you try to get it into their heads right off the bat? Oh, yeah. It's as simple as, you know, and we ask the questions, and and we love having the parents watching these camps too, because we'll ask the parents the questions, and when they get it wrong, we can snicker with the kids, like, "Look, even mom and dad don't have it right." And then we can say to the mom and dad, "Don't get upset with your kid if they do something wrong, because you got it wrong." But simple things like, "Do you want to throw a baseball with a two seam grip or a four seam grip?" You know, what's the buzzwords? We're going to say a V across the C, just so that the kids can find those seams and make it into a letter C and put the V of their first two fingers right across the C. And it doesn't matter if you're five years old, you're 12 years old, or even the kids that are playing on our travel teams that are in high school and and getting scholarships to wherever. We're still kind of reminding them, hey, how are we gripping it? Four seams, right. And, yeah, C across the V. I mean, V across the sea. It's like, exactly. So we will take every kid from the younger to the older and try to build that foundation that will allow them to have as much success at that age, but then grow with it. And if they keep getting bigger, faster, stronger, they have that foundation that we've been able to teach them to that will allow for more success. And the best thing, too, is you know that every skill level is going to be addressed. You're going to get out there and you're going to have an opportunity to work and learn like Mike just said, you know, it doesn't matter what your skill level is. They've got instruction there for every level, no matter, you know, and 5 to 12 for the summer camps. And, of course, they've got the elite teams as well that you can go ahead and try out for the travel teams. Lots of stuff available for you at whitesocks.com slash play. And, of course, as a parent, I do know summertime, sometimes you go out and you, you know, you're a parent and you have a, a vacation time set that you want to go and you got to go do it this week. The great thing is if you go ahead and check out the uh, tab on whitesacks.com slash play, you'll see that there's plenty of dates available. They run, I believe, right, Mike, June 7th through August 9th. Is that correct? Yeah, it's basically the second week of June through the second week of August. So, so plenty of options. Again, it's a, yeah, plenty of options, just like you said. So, yeah, so go ahead and check it out there. Also, uh, Mike, so I'm curious, when you're, if someone comes up to you and says, look, my uh, kid, you know, loves to throw, loves to pitch, Do you have any guidelines that you can give parents out there? How much is too much to throw? What kind of long toss program? Like they're just getting started, you know, say they're starting pitching. What do they, what do you uh, advise for them when they're first getting started out there? Because obviously I know the great concern is always you don't want your kid out there throwing too much too soon. No, I I think it's exactly right. What we really emphasize again, almost through middle school is we're not going to talk about curveballs necessarily until there's someone who understands their body well enough that when we start to teach a curveball, be it 13 or 14 years old, they're using their lower half and their shoulder more than their elbow or their wrist. But we really emphasize um, moving things slowly from close to far away. Every other day you're taking off. We encourage through our travel teams as well as through the summer camps that kids should be playing multiple sports. And when we have a parent that says, whether it's an 11-year-old, 13-year-old, or 15-year-old, that we really want to get serious like you're talking about, 
pitching specific, we'll bring them into our LaGrange facility. We'll have them work with um, some of our coaches, instructors. Uh, if they're, again, really good, we'll put them in touch with Jim Adusi, who also played in the major that runs our travel program, and get in an arm care regiment that is led by the gentleman within our travel organization, Scott Lawler, who used to be the recruiting coordinator at Notre Dame, but he knows more about pitching, again, ironically, than some major league pitching coaches. And to have him with our organization, him working with these kids all the way down you know, to as young as 10 years old, it's just a great benefit. But the quick answer is it's, it's not going to be 12 months out of the year. You're going to do it just during season. And when you get on the mound or someone pitches in a game, you're going to try to limit the number of pitches thrown and then make sure he or she has a couple days off before they're throwing hard again. Mike, is it true that the inability to hit a curveball was the one thing that ended more baseball dreams of guys like me and anybody else uh, just not being able to hit that curveball? Yes, <laughs> and I think it's not just the curve. It's the sliders, the change-ups. Sure. I think sure. everyone is so used to having a dad throw batting practice or hitting a ball off the tee. You're so comfortable, and you get that muscle memory of seeing something straight that any time there is a change to that, be it a slider or a good curve, um, unless you have that good foundation with your legs and unless you know, you're able to see multiple you know, repetitions of it, it's really tough. But I tell people all the time when they're like, so your major league career, what was the toughest pitch to hit? I'm like, straight change. Uh-huh. I could pick up the rotation of a curveball or a slider, and you know, more often than not, I could spit on it. But when someone like Lucas Giolito throws that good change, it comes out of his hands, and you are going to put the life savings on the line. This thing is coming in at 90-plus miles an hour, and you're swinging. And you realize it's like that Bugs Bunny cartoon that the ball's not even halfway home because sure. it's coming in at like 80. Yeah, That is the voice Amazing. of Director of Youth Baseball for the White Sox, Mike Huff. If you want more information like that to get your young child ready to learn how to hit a curveball, you need that foundation. Check out whitesox.com slash play. Plenty of summer camps out there in uh, 45 camp locations in the Chicagoland area and northwest Indiana. So make sure you check it out, whitesox.com slash play. As always, Mike, we appreciate the time today. Greatly appreciate you guys. Enjoy the rest of the day, and let's get another victory tonight. No, sounds, sounds great. like a plan to yep. us. That is, again, Mike Huff, the director of youth baseball for the White Sox. All right, don't forget, catch the action from a private diamond suite for as low as $100 per person for you and your group. This includes parking, exclusive entrance, and more. Visit whitesox.com slash group for more information. And more good news regarding... How many fans are going to be allowed in to see White Sox games? We'll let you hear from Brooks Boyer as he joined Lennon DJ on a broadcast earlier this week to explain how you can see more White Sox action in the special vaccinated uh, sections. We'll tell you about that next right here on the ESP 1000 White Sox Network. Captain J. Hood, 7 to 10 mornings, ESPN 1000. This is White Sox Weekly here on the ESPN 1000 White Sox Network. I'm Jeff Meller along with Fred Hubner, and we will let you hear from Brooks Boyer in a moment. But we do have a White Sox lineup in, and it does include Jose Abreu playing first base and hitting cleanup. Yep. So I guess the doctor said everything's fine. He uh, must have cleared his uh, examination there. I thought it was going to be at 4.30. They must have got in there early and uh, said it's all good because... The White Sox will be sending Tim Anderson to lead off playing shortstop. 
Larry Garcia will be hitting second and playing right field. Yoan Mancada playing third, hitting third. As I mentioned, Jose Abreu, your cleanup hitter, playing first base. Hitting fifth will be the DH, your mean Mercedes. Hitting sixth, the man who we will be talking with in about 45 minutes from now, Andrew Vaughn, playing left field. Uh, at catcher, hitting seventh for what will be his third game catching. Now, he didn't start thir- three games in a row, but Zach Collins will be behind the plate. And I mentioned... I was a little surprised when I thought about it that Yasmani Grandal, when Jose Abreu left the game yesterday because of the collision with Hunter Dozier, when Grandal moved to first base, I was a little surprised because you don't see that anymore where catchers will go ahead and catch both games of a doubleheader. It's almost like an automatic that catchers just, they're going to be spared behind the plate. Now, Zach Collins is young, so, you know, it's not really a huge surprise. And maybe, maybe, um, Tony LaRusso was so encouraged. He, that great defensive play Zach Collins made uh, when Liam Hendricks was on the mound last yeah. night. Right, He popped up from behind the plate and threw out, who was it? I'm trying to remember now who was running down the line. A Gerard Dyson bunted for a hit, and then whoever came up after Gerard Dyson had a little squibber. And Zach Collins pops out from behind the plate. And anybody who you know has talked about Zach Collins not being a, a good defensive catcher. Alberto? Yes, was, yeah. Hanser Alba- Alberto. Thank uh-huh. you. Uh, Gollin, Collins popped out from behind the plate and fired yeah. an absolute BB to uh, to Andrew Vaughn on the play. And he looked excellent. So maybe Larus has been encouraged by Zach Collins's uh, defensive effort, but he's behind the plate hitting seventh tonight. Uh, Billy Hamilton will be playing center field hitting eighth. And Nikki Two Strikes Madrigal hitting ninth and playing second base. So you've got three switch hitters in the lineup with Garcia, Moncada, and uh, Billy Hamilton up, so. up against lefty Mike Miner, and yeah. we know how the White Sox do against left-handers. Even though Mike Miner is uh, one of the few left-handers who actually led his team to a victory. Now, he did not get the win in that no. game, but Miner actually did uh, pitch in a game that the opponent won against the White they Sox. They won it in 10. Yes. And yeah, he went four innings, pit through 85 pitches. And um, the other thing is, I don't know, have they ever mentioned um, – has Tony LaRusso ever mentioned, uh, because Zach Collins caught Rodon's no-hitter. He did. Is he his... Personal catcher? Yeah. Uh, I think he's caught him. I think he probably has caught him every game since. It's funny because uh, we had Zach Collins on White Sox Weekly the you know on the Saturday right. after Rodon. And I, I did ask him that. I said, hey, does that mean you and Carlos Rodon are going to be locked in as... Uh, and so that's... You know what? Maybe that's a possibility, too, is because yeah. they do work so well together. And you know what? As well as Rodon is pitching, and he's on the mound today, bringing his .58 ERA. Now, technically, he's not the leader in baseball because he doesn't have enough innings to qualify for the uh, ERA lead. Okay, right now because you know how it is. It, once you, he's a little behind in terms of innings pitched, so he doesn't qualify technically to be amongst the league leaders. But his .58 ERA would certainly be. The best in baseball. He if, should be pretty close, though. Because, but he, no, no, but that's, that's my point. Yeah. As soon as he goes out today and throws, uh, you know, if he gives you the standard six or seven innings right. that you've become accustomed to, if he if he doesn't get knocked around, he will then again go ahead and top the leaderboard because he'll qualify for the yeah. ERA lead. So because Giolito only has forty one and two thirds. Yeah. So, so and, and just and, ten more innings. Yeah. Exactly. So and it's it's not even that. I don't even think he needs that yeah. many at this point. I don't. I uh, have to check dig into how you qualify. For the uh, legally, what percentage of innings you need to throw once the season you know sure. begins? But uh, he is amongst the best in baseball, has been, and I'm certainly uh, imagine that Zach Collins being behind the plate, it's probably 
part of the reason because Rodon's on the hill. Well, and then you always want to be, they always look at strikeouts compared to walks, okay? His, his percentage is more than, f- more than four strikeouts per walks. He's got 44 strikeouts, nine walks. So more than four times yes. the number of people. And he's only given up 12 hits in 31 innings. Obviously, that helps when you have a no-hitter. That will certainly play at this mm-hmm. level. Yep. Brooks Boyer joined Len Casper and Darren Jackson the other day during the White Sox broadcast and got some big news from the mayor. The White Sox are now going to be allowed to have 60% capacity at guaranteed rate field. Brooks Boyer discussed what that means and how more fans can get in the stands. We're super excited. Uh, We put out a release today that we are going to be able to increase our capacity starting with the May 24th game uh, or the series against the Cardinals uh, to 60%. So pods of seats will be separated by, uh, by a seat and we will be able to get more of our fans who have been dying to, to see this team play. Uh, from May 24th, uh, we're going to be able to have 60% capacity. Tickets will go on sale for that that series uh, next week, so WhiteSox.com is always your best place to go. And obviously with increased capacity, gives us the opportunity to put more season ticket holders uh, in, in the ballpark. So season tickets and individual tickets are, uh, are, are going to be available as we increase capacity. And those are sections 108 and 109, which have been designated as the vaccinated only. Right. So uh, that is great news. Shout out to section 108, the 108ers out there. We know uh, they're big Sox fans. So if you'd like to go ahead and attend a White Sox game, as always, you can go ahead and check out uh, WhiteSox.com is the best bet. I went to the game the other day. You did? I went to the game on uh, Thursday, the uh, game with the Twins. And I was concerned because the Sox scored nine runs and then 13 runs. And I said, okay. Well, they won 4-2, to two, so it was a lower-scoring game. Um, but it was nice to see, and it was a perfect day out. It was, uh, it was um, just just so good to be out to the ballpark because yes. I hadn't been to the ballpark. And just being out, out there, and it was, it was so much fun. And the way that they, uh, they organized everything, there were seats blocked out, blacked out in front of us and you know, further down in our row. So it was, re- it was you, perfect. Fred, did you smell the uh, onions being grilled as you walked in? Yes, I did. Oh. I smelled the onions. Every I... time I do one of the ticket reads, yeah. I, I just, in my head, I can smell them. The grilled onions, the Italian, the Polish. Yep. Like, There's so much great oh, food. I, I, like, I, I'm going to get out very soon. I definitely plan on attending at some point in middle, middle, middle of June for my son's birthday. I'm going to take him and some friends, and we're going to go over there for sure. But... Every time I do one of these reads, I can smell the grilled onions in my head, and I, I want them so bad. Yep. It is like one of my favorite parts of a White Sox game is just walking into Guaranteed Rate Field and smelling the onions as you walk in. It's just, it's fantastic. Yeah. It smells like it's baseball. Really, it's really, it, it, right, it does. It smells like baseball, and it was just a fun game to be out. It was a close game, a 4-2 game, and everything worked out well. The White Sox got the win, and uh, yeah, it's just great to get back to the ballpark. Test your luck in the Queen of Hearts raffle benefiting White Sox charities in addition to weekly prizes. One lucky fan will win 50% of the total progressive jackpot, which is over $120,000. To purchase Queen of Hearts raffle tickets, visit whitesox.com slash queen of hearts. He's Fred Hubner. I'm Jeff Meller. We're getting you set for White Sox baseball coming your way with pregame coverage at 530. Jonathan Hood will have that for you. You'll also hear from Tony La Russa, the manager with Len Casper today inside the uh, pregame show. And of course, Connor McNall. Maybe maybe Connor has the uh, pregame with uh, Tony. Not sure because Len has TV duties. Connor will be on the play-by-play 
with Darren Jackson for tonight's game. 6-10 first pitch, as we mentioned. Mike Miner versus Carlos Rodon. And, of course, big news, Jose Abreu back in the lineup for the White Sox, hitting cleanup and playing first base. So that is excellent news. Sure is. Especially when you consider Hunter Dozier, the other man involved in that collision, had to go on the injured list, the uh, seven-day concussion injured list for the Royals. So very encouraging news. Jose Abreu is back in the lineup for the White Sox tonight. So very happy about that. Great news. We'll continue to talk White Sox baseball here on ESPN 1000, White Sox Network. We will also, uh, you know what, discuss a future Hall of Famer has signed. Yes, he has. A man who was being discussed as a possibility by some folks for the White Sox. He's not a White Sox. We'll let you know where he landed right here next on the ESP 1000 White Sox Network. Hey, I'm Brian. As an aspiring baker, I've got a lot of secret ingredients. But my best one yet? Metro by T-Mobile. Metro gave me and the family high-speed data for only $25 a line for four lines and covered the switching fees. Plus, they threw in four free Galaxy phones just for switching. Now we can post pictures of my latest bakes and get out the word so the whole town knows I'm whipping up something sweet. How's that for stretching some serious dough? You work hard for your money. With Metro by T-Mobile, it goes further. This tax season, there's zero fees to switch. Right now, enjoy Metro's lowest price. Just 25 bucks a line for four lines with taxes and fees included. Plus four free Samsung Galaxy phones when you switch. Now that's the best deal in wireless. I'm Brian, and that's how I rule my day with Metro by T-Mobile. All lines lose promo rate if any deactivates. Sales tax and regulatory fees included in price. Zero fee on select phones. Limit one free phone per line with port. Exclude sales tax. Limited time offer. Additional terms apply. See Metro by T-Mobile.com. They want to foster a great relationship with the labor industry. I'm Joe Ohm. I'm the fund administrator for Plumbers Local 130 Welfare Fund in Chicago, and we use Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Illinois' network of providers. So I've worked for four different funds in my 25-plus years in the labor industry. All have used Blue Cross's network. Why? Because they devote their attention to the needs of their labor customers. Top quality, no second thoughts. Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Illinois, a division of Healthcare Service Corporation, a mutual legal reserve company. In baseball, every fan dreams of the 5-2 of players. The same is true for what you get in a local day out. And one town that's got it all? Countryside. It all starts with historic Route 66, adding great places to shop, even to buy your next car. And we all need to eat. Countryside has a variety in over 50 restaurants, outdoor fun, while Flag Creek Golf Course is a premier nine-hole destination. And why not stay a night in one of their excellent hotels? The city of Countryside provides it all, right off of I-55 and 294. It's simple. The ESPN Chicago app. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on the ESPN 1000 White Sox Network. I'm Jeff Meller along with Fred Hubner. Two hours prior to every White Sox pregame show on Saturdays. Another hour to go here. We will be joined by Andrew Vaughn coming up. At 5 o'clock, we'll talk to the man who's hit his first two Major League home runs this week. Pretty uh, pretty excited to see that, Fred. Yeah, it was great. It was uh, good to see him finally connect. I actually predicted that it, was, it would be a nice time to get a home run. I believe I did that last Sunday. I thought he was in line. He, he was swinging the bat well. Yeah. He did put a charge into one. I think it was a double. But then later in the week, of course, he finally gets his first career home run which was excellent. And then, of course, uh, yesterday to get Yeah, he well. belted a big one yesterday. It was really important in that second game 
to uh, after dropping one. So he will uh, uh, he will join us in about a half an hour from now. If you missed it again, Jose Abreu back in the lineup today despite that collision yesterday. So very good news for the White Sox. And as I mentioned, going to break. Albert Pujols has found a home, Fred. Yes, he has. You he, would think, but you would think it would be an American League team where he could be a DH and everything, right? It, yeah, that would seem to. If you had to find a spot for Albert Pujols, where would he end up playing? A, you know, definitely an American League would probably be your first guess. But when I tell you that he's not going to have to move too far because he's no longer a member of the Angels, but he will stay in Los Angeles because the Dodgers have signed Albert Pujols. To a deal. Nice. Real uh, nice. Nice because I'm glad he's not on the White Sox. Yeah, I am too. He like I, I'm actually surprised that the Dodgers have found a spot for Pujols because now I know they're dealing with a lot of injuries. They sure are. But Albert Pujols really has been a subpar player now for really the last three years. It makes me wonder if the Dodgers have seen something in their advanced analytics where they feel like they might be able to use him in the occasional situation against the occasional pitcher. But I, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of games for Pools. I wouldn't think so. He's got a deal now, a major league deal through the rest of the season. And with this, the Dodgers become the fourth major league team with four or more former MVP winners. And the first since the 96 Red Sox. You think so they've it. got Kershaw, Betts, Pools, and... Who's the fourth that I'm not thinking of? Bellinger. Oh, Bellinger won it. Yes, yes, yes. Yep. Okay, so, so there so. you go. Bellinger, Betts, Pujols, and Kershaw. Uh-huh. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that pans out right now because uh, you you look in the, and you look at the stats and the, the numbers and the, the Dodgers can use a little bit of a boost. Uh, they get the Giants all of a sudden playing out of their minds. They do. Yeah, and, all season long and, so far. And when everybody was looking at the Dodgers and Padres – as the two behemoths who you were going to have to worry about. The the Giants have yeah. just uh, snuck right in over the first six weeks of baseball about a quarter of the way through the season, and they actually have the best record in the division, which has certainly been surprising to a lot of people. Out yeah, there. they're 23-15. and 15. They're just a game off of uh, the White Sox. As a matter of fact, they have the second-best record in the game. You have the White Sox first and Giants second. Who would have ever thought that one? Well, I, I had high hopes for the White Sox, but the Giants certainly were not in my crosshairs no. as teams to worry about coming into the season. And they have actually a plus 32 run differential, yep. which shows that their, their you know eight games above 500 is actually not being done with smoke and mirrors. They've earned their record by far. The White Sox, of course, have the best run differential in baseball right now. They, are 60, they have 64 more runs scored than given up 195 runs for this team. 131 allowed, and that they've done, Fred, without a lot of help from the long ball. You know, without Eloy Jimenez and Luis Robert, the power numbers, at least the home run numbers, have not been very good across baseball when you compare them, but that hasn't stopped them from scoring runs. Are they still last in the uh, American League? I was just trying to, I was just actually pulling that up as we spoke because I haven't 
checked it in a couple of days, so I wanted to ch- confirm that before I actually spoke it into existence. But yes, they were certainly uh, amongst the uh, worst in the American League. It's really nice, actually, too, to be scoring as many runs as they are and not using the long ball because they're getting hits. They're making, you know what I mean? Finding ways to score runs. Exactly, and, and that's the, what you need to do in baseball. And, 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 it, and this, and especially in this form of baseball, where it is so hard, like I feel like week in and week out, we've talked about it, how... You know, that has been, it's a problem scoring runs if you're not hitting home runs. The White Sox have found ways to do it. Yeah, yeah, they really have. And and now today they get another chance against a lefty. This is the third time this year they're seeing Mike Miner. The third time. Yes. And I'm looking here, I saw some stats that came up on uh, the computer today. And it says that the White Sox have faced seven lefty starters this season. Tagged them for an unsightly 14.02 ERA. 40 earned runs in 25 and two-thirds. Now, crooked numbers against Hap, nine earned runs. Daniel Lynch, we knew what happened. That was last Saturday. Uh, Gave up eight. And Andrew Heaney, seven. Yet, those seven pitchers entering yesterday, having thrown 195 innings this season against teams other than the White Sox, Mm -hmm. their ERAs, 337. So the White Sox have taken good pitchers against everybody else, and they just lit them up. They've turned them into... Bad Amazing. Pitchers. The White Sox are feasting when, yeah. when left. You do have to wonder: Our team's going to get to the point now where I know, I know, no, no manager wants to do this. But you have to wonder if teams are going to be asking themselves if they have a little bit of flexibility and the possibility to potentially push a left-handed starter away from the Sox in a series. Right? Will they start to do so? Because you know, it, it hasn't worked out well. J. A. Happ. He right. showed you what happens to lefties. J.A. Happ came into the game with an ERA below two. Yeah. And the White Sox hung nine on him for yeah. it. They just loaded him up. They feast on left-handed pitching. It does make me... And right now, the White Sox are still in last place in home runs in the American League. Now, they have a chance to go ahead and catch the Royals because the Royals are only one home run ahead of them okay. entering today's game. So if they go ahead and hit a couple and they hold the Royals, Carlos Rodon holds them down, they could go ahead and pass the Royals for last place in terms of home runs among in the American League. Of course, the Mets and Pirates, without a designated hitter, are way behind. They have 23 and 25 home runs. Yeah, yeah, and, but it's amazing, too, because the pitching staff just keeps rolling out there. Now, we, we have not, we're still worried or concerned, if you're a Sox fan, about Lucas Giolito uh, after yesterday's outing, but we see, see what Michael Kopech did, and it's great because you can just call on Kopech to be a spot starter. You can call on him to come out of the bullpen for an inning or two. You can use him, and I love the way that they're using him and Garrett Crochet because in the long run, the odds are both these guys are going to be starting pitchers. Oh, yeah, that's undeniable. And you know what? You brought it up, so let's uh, let's go ahead and play some sound here. Tony LaRusso, the manager, talked about the lift that Kopech gave the team in the second game of the doubleheader yesterday because they were playing without Jose Abreu. The worst thing we could do would be to take him for granted. So you just appreciate every time he does it. But, you know, it's a lot of good pitches, very economical, and, I mean, time to get him. But he gave us a lift. You know, that was a, the collision and everything. Everybody was really quiet in that clubhouse after the game. So he gave, us, he gave us a lift, and then our bullpen was outstanding. It's been one of my favorite subplots of the season, of the White Sox season, is when we get these little, these little cookies here about, hey, Michael Kopech, right. the White Sox had a rain out. You're going to get a doubleheader. Going to sneak in a Michael Kopech start for you here. And as a White Sox fan, I get excited. And it's perfect, too, because, as you mentioned, this is a perfect way for them to limit the use 
of a guy who, you know, what was it, 900-plus days because, oh, yeah. because he, missed, he, for two he years. missed the previous season because of COVID. And then, of course, Tommy John surgery. It, it was over 900 days since he had made a major league appearance when we entered this season. And then he's gone out and he's been everything White Sox fans hoped, hoped for, you know, when he made his debut way back in, what was it, 2018, I believe, when he made his uh, major league debut. Yeah. Uh, I remember I was actually, I went to that game that August night. And, you know, it was thrilling to be there. And, there was so much untapped potential, and now we've come to where we're at. And to see him give you these starts that he's given, it's been awesome. Kopech talked about how he's being used this season and how it's actually, you know, worked out perfectly for him. Long-term plan for me, or long-term goal for me at least, is um, to get back into a starting rotation and get comfortable, um, you know, doing a five-day routine every five days. Um, but right now I'm going to pitch – whenever Tony wants me to pitch and do my job every time I go out there and it's been working. Um, I've had a couple outings where I don't feel super sharp, but I'm still getting, you know, pretty good results. So I can't really complain about that. Um, and then just getting a chance when there's an opening to get into a start and try to do what I can in a start. You know, I, I think that keeps me fine tuned for if starting ever comes back around as an opportunity, but at the same time, it's the same game no matter what inning you're pitching in. Okay, the last thing he said there, it's the same game no matter what inning you're pitching in. Mm-hmm. This goes back to the whole Rodon thing last year coming in in the playoffs mm-hmm. and everybody yelling, he's not a he's not a bullpen guy, he's not a reliever, he's not a thing. And I love that Kopech said that. It's pitching. It doesn't matter where you come in or what you do. You go to the mound and you get the guys out. Yeah. And, now, and the he's one been thing, doing it. I, I was somebody who was a little critical of the way Ricky Renteria was using Carlos Rodon. But I'll also add that the problem for Carlos Rodon, he needed to completely rework his mechanics. And he clearly wasn't the pitcher that he is this year, the guy who's going out, out to the mound tonight. He's proven that, you know, the velocity wasn't where it's at. Right. You know, he clearly was coming back from he had been, you know, shoulder injury, Tommy John himself. So Carlos Rodon, I think just assuming that, you know, shifting him to the bullpen. For me, that was problematic because he didn't have the stuff that he once had. And so that's why I didn't like Carlos Rodon being put in that position. But in their opinion, there was nobody else better at that time than him. I mean, he pitched pitched in Schaumburg. Yeah. So he was with those guys. You're right. And then then they brought him up. And so, you know, I know know for that game and everything else. But even the game in Cleveland, when they brought him in and, and things went poorly yeah and that's an understatement but like again it it is what it is that thing didn't work out last year but i was not huge you know a huge fan of that but kopech has proven that in short stints he can go ahead and unleash hell he's got that extra you know velocity when he knows that he's you know if he's only going to be out there for an inning or two you know he can go ahead and give you everything he's got on the mound or if it's a day like yesterday, he can go ahead and, you know, save a little in the tank and try and get through, you know, five or six, even six innings if, if, if they need him to. You know, he cer- it certainly seemed like it was on the table yesterday. Yeah. But, of course, the White Sox, again, I'll praise them. Being smart with him, especially in a seven-inning game, there's, exactly. no, there's no need to press it. No. You don't need to lead. And, and they were. Now, if that was a nine-inning game, he yeah. may have gone to fifth. Because he had 65 pitches through four. Yes. He may have gone out there for the fifth inning, and then you run it, the other guys out there. But you did, yeah, in a seven-inning game, especially when you were already on the back half, you knew that you, you, knew that you could. And, and especially when 
Tony knew that Liam Hendricks, you know, he was going to go to him if they had the lead there. Yeah. Uh, I, I completely was fine with pulling him when they did, but it was nice to see that, look, he, he can give it to you if you need. And the question is now, I think, as this season unfolds, barring injury, what will happen as we get closer to August and September if Lucas Giolito doesn't get right? right? And again, I think that there's plenty of time for this to play out, and I'm encouraged and think that Lucas very well could can get back to the pitcher who he's been the last couple of years. But you do wonder... With Rodon and Cease pitching as well as they are, and Lynn, I feel confident every time he goes out yeah, there. Yeah, me too. You know, and then Kopech, I'm sorry, like, may, the best stuff on the staff. So, it, if we get to playoff time, what will the rotation look like? That's going to be an interesting question yeah. as the year unfolds. Uh, Bobby got to me on Twitter, and he explained that to qualify for uh, the best um, uh, ERA Yes, you need to have as many innings pitched as you as your team has played games. Okay, so there you go, perfect. Right. So if the White Sox have played thirty eight games, they need to have it pitched at least thirty eight innings. So we would imagine that Carlos Rodon has a shot to get to thirty. Is he at thirty one here? Yeah, he's right. at thirty one. So if he gives you seven innings tonight, well, he'll he'll need eight, I guess. He probably right. won't qualify because he, uh, you know, after having his start pushed to today, um, he probably won't. I'm gonna I'm gonna I think Fred. I could be wrong, but just the way we see pitching these days, he's probably not going to get eight. But, hey, it's Carlos oh, Rodon. Yeah. Maybe he, gives you, maybe he gives you a perfect game. Right. Who knows? Maybe he gives you a perfect game, or maybe he just gives you you know low pitch count all the way deep into the game, so, and he can just stay out there. So yeah. we'll see. Well, Thanks for Bobby for uh, letting us know. Appreciate that. Uh, the more you know. I, well, and I love I love the, you know, he, he's a uh, thing is a uh, Sox lifer. So, yeah, he understands the game, and uh, I'm glad because we don't know, we don't know it all. No, no, we don't. We know some of it. Lord not knows it, we don't know sure. it all. Uh, experience the all-inclusive Guaranteed Rate Club. This private club includes in-seat service, parking, and unlimited food and beverage. Ticket packages start at 20 games, include flexible payment plans, and postseason options. We're just talking about possible yep. postseason rotations. For more information, call or text 312-674-1000 or visit whitesocks.com. Plenty more White Sox conversation to come here. We're going to hear from Andrew Vaughn at 5 o'clock as well. Talk to him about a couple home runs. um, And, you know, just moving over to first base like he did uh, yesterday in the second uh, game, as we were just talking about with Kopech there. This is White Sox Weekly. He's Fred Hubner. I'm Jeff Meller. This is ESPN 1000 White Sox Network. Follow us on Twitter at ESPN 1000. You're listening to White Sox Weekly here on ESPN 1000 White Sox Network. I am Jeff Meller along with Fred Hubner here for you every Saturday prior to a White Sox game, two hours prior to the pregame. Today at 530, Jonathan Hood will have your pregame coverage here on ESPN 1000 and Connor McKnight and Darren Jackson will have the call. Don't forget, check out the uh, hashtag Connor Asks and go ahead and answer the question that Connor asked you earlier in the show. What rule would you like to see added to baseball and he also added the caveat not something that the major league baseball is necessarily considering and that you've heard about he's looking for wild wacky rules fred yeah that um could be added to white sack uh to white sacks to baseball in general that could maybe add a nice little twist to the game uh so go ahead and hit us up on the social media aspects uh hashtag ask or connor asks now the um 
a lot of people, when you saw your mean Mercedes starting with eight hits in a row to start the season and everything else like that, they said, well, this guy can't continue that. Mm-hmm. Well, he's still he's still hitting um, three eighty four. Oh, I'm is. sorry. After the second game, three seventy four. Yes. Okay. Still hitting three seventy four. He hit four fifteen. His slash line four fifteen average on base four fifty five and six fifty nine for his slugging with five homers in April. He doesn't have a homer in May yet. We're halfway through May fifteenth. Mm-hmm. He's hitting two seventy four three thirty three on base and a three sixty four slug. But he's still been able to drive in a run here and there, get some big runs. He still is one of the most fun players to watch with two strikes. And came up with an absolutely huge pinch hit RBI that gave them the insurance run. That was the game you were at, yeah. correct, uh, against yeah. the Twins to help finish off the sweep. And it was a big run, too, because Liam Hendricks, you know, that was the, I'm trying to remember, that was that the 13 pitch. That was the yeah. the second game that he had worked in. You know, it, that that was good, too, because I'm trying to remember the sequence of events that unfolded. If I'm correct, that was in the eighth inning, right? That was the bottom of the eighth when it he pinched right. it. And there was, that was the moment when the, you were around 4.30 in the afternoon and the shadows from the light tower yep. were creeping in and making it increasingly difficult to hit. And for Yermin Mercedes to come up in a pinch hit roll there, not having swung the bat all day, sure. comes in there and delivers a big RBI. That is like you've you've been you've been harping on the approach yeah. by Mercedes. That I'm not concerned at all. I don't think the the, the you know he's not going to turn into a pumpkin here. Yeah, he's a good hitter. The only reason he has not broken through to this point is because the problem is when scouts around baseball look at a guy and they don't see a guy who physically looks like somebody who is intimidating. When yeah. they see a guy who's got a little bit of a belly and maybe not a, he's maybe not a great defensive player, they have a hard time seeing where he's going to add value if he can't do something defensively. Yeah, And that's really been the hang-up for your mean Mercedes is that a lot of teams, I think, said you're not like you're your catcher, but only, you know, because we have to put you somewhere, right? Yeah. The truth is that everybody's like, he could hit, but, you know, if he can't play anywhere defensively, what are we going to do? Well, you know what? The White Sox had the opening when Aloy got hurt, and your mean Mercedes, has, all he's done, every spot that he's been on, Fred, is hit. It's That's hit. all he does right. is hit. And he, the, the approach, the he's got an, an eye, he gets on base, he takes some walks. He is a very good hitter and somebody who I think is here for the long haul. Well, it's funny because you got you have you actually have the big and the small of this of what you're talking about with the White Sox because you have your mean Mercedes, a big guy who really doesn't have a position, but he can hit the ball. And scouts, he's 28. It's taken him a while to get here. And then you have Nick Madrigal, who's a small guy, and if he was just going, if he didn't come out of college. And the way he did, he's never going to get looked at in certain places because of his size. They're going to say he's too small. He doesn't have any power. He doesn't do this. But then what's he do? He just hits the ball and gets on base. He's hitting 287. Okay. 11 RBIs. He struck out a couple more times this week. I think he's got three strikeouts this week because uh, I think yeah. he had five last week. So he's got three more uh, this week. But he's a guy that puts his bat on the ball, too. And his on-base is 325, so he doesn't walk as much, but he does exactly what you want to do. And we're starting to see him do stuff in the field. But it's funny because he's a small guy, and that's the best thing about baseball. 
you have they come in all sizes. You saw the all collision. All shapes and all sizes. You yeah. saw the collision with Hunter Dozier and also Jose Abreu, two monsters of men, and they were big guys. Could you imagine if that would have been, you know, uh, somebody else? I mean, for example, a Nick Madrigal running into a guy, you know. Somewhere. Or if, Ma- if Madrigal was on the other end of a Hunter Dozier yeah, collision, that would not exactly. Have, that probably would not have ended as well for Madrigal as it did for Abreu. Because if you missed it, we mentioned earlier in the show, Jose Abreu back in the lineup, in the lineup. tonight. He is hitting cleanup and playing first base. So that is great news for the White Sox and White Sox fans to have the reigning AL MVP back in the lineup one day after colliding with yep. Hunter Dozier. So very good Tremendous news there. News. Um, but the man who stepped in in game two yesterday and played first base for Jose Abreu, a man who has a couple of home runs this last week, his first two of his major league career, Andrew Vaughn, he's going to join us next and talk about what it was like to uh, go ahead and play first base after playing left field so well as he has so far this season. We're going to talk to him up next here. White Sox Charity's Sox Car Raffle is back. Enter to win a Sox-themed Mazda CX-3, courtesy of Mazda of Orland Park, and show your pride wherever you ride. Tickets are on sale now. Visit whitesox.com slash car to purchase Illinois residents only. Uh, before we get to Andrew Vaughn, let's pause 10 seconds for stations to identify themselves on the ESP 1000 White Sox Network. Ask your smart speaker to play ESPN 1000. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on the ESPN 1000 White Sox Network. I'm Jeff Meller along with Fred Hubner. We've got the perfect space for you and your group. Learn more about the White Sox private party areas and start planning your outing to the ballpark. It's exactly what I'm going to do, Fred. I'm yep. going to take my son and some of his friends for his birthday in the uh, private party area. That is my plan. For more information, call or text 312-674-1000 or visit whitesocks.com. As we mentioned earlier, too, the White Sox got the go-ahead to uh, increase the capacity to 60%. They're now, they now have the fully vaccinated sections 108 and 109. So check out whitesocks.com for more information. You can go to a game, sit with the uh, fans in the vaccinated area. It does, of course, require proof of vaccination, but go ahead and check it out on whitesocks.com because that is now open for the next homestand when the Cardinals visit on May 24th as the White Sox go ahead and uh, close out this homestand ahead of their yep. series upcoming in Minnesota and New York, New yep. York Yankees. That Yankees will be, be interesting. You never next know, weekend. Yeah, you never know who's going to come down with COVID on that team. Well, they've had like eight or nine well, players, right? you know what, though? And I will, I'm glad you brought that up. That's uh, We're talking about the vaccinated sections. This is, I think, a positive way to look at things because when you they had eight positive COVID people test positive for COVID. However, of the eight, seven were asymptomatic because they have had the vaccination. Only one person showed any signs of symptoms. Okay. And so that is encouraging. Honestly, the way it's working, if you look at it amongst the, you know, normal population across the country, chances are, you know, if you got, you could certainly come down with covid if you've been vaccinated but you're if you don't have any symptoms you're not going to go out and get tested sure because players are being tested frequently all the time we find right. out hey you were vaccinated you still came down with it but the, it shows the vaccination is the, is working the vaccine is working because they're asymptomatic so that's exactly what you want and so i think you can actually look at that in a positive light 
And so the Yankees will, t- uh, the White Sox will head to New York next weekend to take on the Yankees, which will be a huge series. Yes, it will be. But Unbelievably. Before that, obviously, we've got to take care of business. We've got Carlos Rodon and Mike Miner that we've been talking about a lot today. Royals today and tomorrow to finish off this series. And then, of course, they have the Twins. They'll head to Minnesota. The White Sox, though, a lot of people were very happy about the sweep of the Twins. You were at the final game. Yeah, it was when great. The, when the uh, White Sox finished off the sweep, when the Twins visited the White Sox here at Guaranteed Right, Tim Anderson talked a little bit about how nice it was to finally reverse the tables on the Twins. You know, they had their shots at, at uh, whooping on us. So, you know, um, it, it feels good for the tables to turn a little bit and, uh, you know, for us to, you know, finally be in the position to, you know, be able to whoop on, you know, these guys in the vision and, uh, you know, keep pushing. You you mentioned the confidence that it gives you guys. I mean, how, how valuable is that going forward when, when you've got to play five more months of baseball? Yeah, definitely needs it. Uh, you know, like I said, this is a great confidence builder. Uh, everybody's playing good. Everybody's throwing good. Everybody's hitting good. So, uh, you know, hopefully we just remember what this feel like and, uh, you know, keep going. Nice to hear T.A. have a chance to kind of puff out his chest once against the Twins because he's been on the other end of that for so yeah. long. There was a play yesterday, and I'm sure you saw it. Anybody who watched the game yesterday, there was a ground ball to, I want to say it was Grandal. Was he, he was playing first base. In this uh, first game, yeah. Okay. He, he moved over after Abreu left. And Right. And what happened was... Because people are just joining us, Abreu in the lineup today yes, is good news. He is in the lineup. So Grandal got it. He went to second base to Tim Anderson, and... Giolito stopped. He didn't make it all the way to first base. Mm-hmm. And Anderson looked over there. He could have had to throw. They could have got a double play. And you saw Anderson like popping his glove going, come on, we, we, this, we can't let this happen. Absolutely. And that was nice to see. Anderson made his first error of the season just the other day. He's only had one error all season long. And I wanted to bring that up because I was the guy that was harping on his errors all the time. And you know what he's done? He's worked his tail off to improve his play, improve his throws and things like that. And it helps when you have Jose Abreu over at first base because he, despite what some of the analytics say, of his, he can scoop it. He's he's playing very well. You've seen the diving stops he's made. You've seen other things he's done. And I think it's it, he's cut, he reminds me of Canerco at first, okay, because of the ways he ways he makes plays. I feel like um, honestly, like I feel like that's in some ways a slight. I feel more comfortable with with Abreu, Abreu than, than Canerco. Canerco. Yeah. And you're right. It, some of the advanced metrics don't. They're not favorable no. to Jose Abreu, but it uh, was it. Uh, I don't know if that was the, maybe it was the Wednesday game when he he was making plays all over yeah. the field and uh, defensively. Uh-huh. You know, so yeah, I feel comfortable whenever Jose Abreu is out there. The only thing, and I, I heard some people on a radio station talk about it this week. The only thing I don't like him doing is sliding into the bag himself. Yes. Yes. because he's I, gonna he's gonna sprain an ankle. He's gonna do something, I, but he wants to get that out. He works. He busts his tail, and that's why he's such a leader on this. Team. I've said that multiple times, uh-huh. and I'm sure White Sox fans out there will agree. Kind of as a fan base, hold your collective breath yep. whenever he goes diving in with one of those slides to beat the runner yeah. at first base. He's done it now twice specifically that I can remember this year. Right. One time, obviously, saved Carlos Rodon's no-hitter. Yes, he did. But there was another point, too, when he doesn't. You just kind of like, Jose, be okay, yeah. be okay. The out's important, but above all else, we need you in that lineup. And, again, good news is he's back in the lineup today after that collision with Hunter Dozier. Hunter Dozier actually... Uh, headed to the injured list for the seven-day concussion protocol because of uh, the collision on his end. But Jose Abreu uh, wanted to play in the second, you know, the nightcap yesterday. They wouldn't let him do that, but he is a good to go for today's game, hitting cleanup and back at first base for the Sox 
So very good news for Sox fans. We're going to have your pregame coverage starting in about 10 minutes. Jonathan Hood will be here and get you set for Sox and Royals. Connor McKnight and Darren Jackson on the call. Sox fans, the Chicago Sports Depot is back for the season. Get the latest team gear to rep all season long. Be sure to follow the at White Sox store on Instagram for series sales and more. For store hours and information, visit whitesox.com slash depot. So the one guy we will we should not expect to see today is Liam Hendricks. I wouldn't think so. Because he pitched... Um, Three consecutive games. Yeah, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Yes, and uh, 20, uh, 28 pitches, then I think... 14 pitches. I'm going off of memory. I didn't. Yeah, he, he didn't have that many yesterday, yeah, but he still. Was, he was made quick work of the Royals last he, night. He did mention he wants to throw and throw a lo- throw often. Three days and in a row is fine. I will say this. Um, you know what? Let's. Tony LaRussa talked about it in the. Uh, it was the. I don't. Was it the pregame this morning or postgame last night? He talked about whether or not uh, Liam Hendricks would be available, and he didn't completely rule it out. He works at it. You know, it's just. This day is, he does a lot of stuff to get in shape. Uh, and I know, as a matter of fact, it's, uh, in, in the morning, both Kurt and, and Ethan were out there when the relievers were throwing, just checking guys out. And he said, in fact, when we come up the stairs, he says, I hope we're heading. I can, I'm ready tomorrow. So I said, I said okay. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, no, I'm not going to rain your parade. But point is that, uh, he's very durable. Uh, stuff, his stuff, you know, it, it travels from day to day, even, even when he gets working. At some point, tomorrow may be the exception that you might not want to pitch him and make him upset, but we'll see. He is uh, always ready to go, always wants that yeah. ball, but after three days in a row, probably not likely. You have to imagine that if the White Sox need somebody to save the game tonight, it will probably be Aaron Bummer who they turn to in a closer's role. Well, the weird part is that you've got Rodon a lefty, mm-hmm. and then you you might have Crochet, and then you might have Bummer. So you got lefties all out. There. So you'll probably have Marshall who hasn't pitched right mm-hmm. for a little while, and maybe Foster. Foster's gotten a bad rap this year. I know he's not done what he's did with last year. Last year he came in and he did a lot of really good things for the team. Yeah, and this year it just hasn't worked out quite as well for him. Um, and he's been this, put in strange situations, left in a long yeah. time. And we remember that Mariners game was kind of yeah. blew up his ERA on him too. Yeah, so it almost looks worse than it actually is. Although, yeah, yeah you're right though. It certainly he certainly hasn't been as good this year as he was last no. year. But I still feel okay with Matt Foster. Um, you know, if you ask me too, like, I, I think I actually would prefer Foster over Jose Ruiz right now, even though Ruiz's numbers look good. good. Yeah, he's um, looked good of late but, too. But Tony went to Ruiz again in that game, uh, that 4-2 game against the Twins yeah. where they completed the sweep. And Ruiz, and it was like one of the first big situations that he went to Ruiz to see if, hey, can I trust you in late game situations because you've been so good to this point. Right. And Ruiz really didn't give him much. He had to turn to Liam Hendricks yeah. early in that uh, outing to get the five out save. So, yeah, you wonder, you know, at this point, this is exactly what a good manager does. Now, is how good a, Tony, how good a manager is Tony Lusa going to be? Yeah. We'll see it play out. But a good manager does find out what their bullpen is capable of throughout the season. Uh-huh. You know, in May, you know, when you have a, you know, you're 10 games above 500, nine games above 500, that's the time to say, can I trust Jose Ruiz in a big situation? Now, maybe he didn't, he didn't work out uh, in Thursday's game. Right. But, or Wednesday's game, but maybe, maybe going forward, you know, he can see if he can use him again 
And if not, you know what? You know that. You know when you can go and turn to Jose Ruiz. As a White Sox fan, you've got to be optimistic going into tonight and tomorrow because you have 5-0 and Carlos Rodon, and then you have 2-0 and Dylan Cease. And you have a lefty on the mound tonight. today. Right. So that is good news for the White Sox. We know it's always good news for the yeah. White Sox when a lefty's on the hill. You get Mike Miner for the third time this year, and then just, just less than a week ago, last Sunday, you lit him up for five runs and five innings. So... That'd be a good thing. Lots of good news there. Don't go anywhere, folks. Uh, White Sox pregame coverage here. Lots of White Sox talk continuing all the way through up into the game. First pitch at 6'10". Jonathan Hood is going to get you set, though, for White Sox and Royals tonight. 5.30 pregame, 6'10". First pitch, Connor McKnight and Darren Jackson are on the call as the White Sox Look for their second straight win. And a reminder, if you listen each and every week to White Sox Weekly, thus it's a weekly show, that's why it's called Weekly, uh, next Saturday's show will be at 9.30 in the morning on Saturday. Early start as the White Sox head to New York to take on the Yankees. Yeah, so you'll have a 9.30 White Sox Weekly show, leads you to go to 11.30, then the pregame show, and then the first pitch with the Sox and Bronx Bombers next Saturday. So uh, get get up early, grab your coffee, listen to White Sox Weekly next Saturday, and then uh, gear up for a victory over the hated. Thanks so much to Andrew Vaughn and Mike Huff. Thanks as well to our executive producer, Ryan McGuire. Thank you, Sean Davis and Tyler Aki, for all the work that you do. I'm Jeff Meller. He's Fred Hubner. Stick around. White Sox pregame up next on ESPN 1000 White Sox Network.